today. I'm in the book of James, and, and, and if you'll help me just a little bit, this is my third time preaching this morning, and I, it ought to be the best the third time. You know, if you, if you, it should be the best. So, so if you'll just, you know, nod at me every now and then. I don't have to, have, you don't have to shout, you don't have to clap. That's even, uh, you know, that can distract maybe other people. But if you'll just nod at me and act like you think is okay, that would be helpful. So we're in the book of James, and it's been a great series, hasn't it? It's been 10, okay, <laughs> okay, you're good now. It's been 10 weeks. It's hard to believe it's 10 weeks into it. Today's the last week. We've talked about taming the tongue and going through trials and dealing with temptation and, and favoritism. And today, James concludes his book with divine healing. And I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, room, or there's a big spectrum on where the church is on divine healing. Some, some are way over here that if you don't get healed, you got sin in your life and it's your problem. And, if you, and, the, and on the other end, God doesn't heal anymore. And so today I want to give you a biblical perspective, a lot of scripture on what God's word says about divine healing. So let's jump right in. We're in James chapter 5, verse 13. Follow along in your outline. I encourage you to do that. Here's what James says. Is any of you in trouble? If you've if you got a situation, if you've got an issue, if you've you got a challenge that's before you, you can worry, you can stress, you can pout, or you can pray. And, and here's what I found in my life, and, and I think it holds true to the Word of God, that that when I'm going through a difficulty, the best thing I can do is to get along with God. Not the last thing, really the first thing. And to, to spend some time, me and the Lord, pop in, uh, play some worship music, and just begin to thank God for who He is and for what He's done. To, to, to remind myself that He's working on my behalf. To remember that His ways are just and right and always pure. And He always does the right thing. And there is something about when I spend time in the presence of the Lord, when I spend time in prayer, that I'm infused with this, this supernatural peace. And that's what the Word of God describes it. Here's what Isaiah says. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Uh, Isaiah is saying there's just something about getting in the presence of God and being infused with this peace. And when you have the peace of God, you can go through anything. I mean... You can go through everything when there's this supernatural, this just, it's just rooted in the promises and the plan and the purposes of God. God, thank you for this peace. So if you're in trouble, pray. Go after God. Spend time in his presence. Get alone with him. Get a, get a fresh revelation of his greatness and his glory and his power. If you're happy, James said, and I think James is just trying to let us know that life is not two tracks, it's one track. It's, 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 it's not two trains, it's one train with two tracks. There's, there's ups and downs, there's valleys, there's mountains, there's lows, there's high. It rains on the just and the unjust. There's struggles, there's challenges, there's victories, there's, there's, there's celebrations, there's tragedy. It's all in this life. And so if you're happy, which maybe you're going through a season where things just have lined up and things are going well, then you are to sing songs of praise. And, and here's what I have found in my life that often it's, it's, it's harder to, to serve God and be focused on God in times of, of the victories, in times of the triumphs. In time. When everything is going good, it's sometimes it, you just tend to kind of push back a little bit. When, it, when everything's going bad, there's a desperateness. There, 
there's, a, there's an urgency. There, there's a sense that I got to have God. And, and so there's this, there's this going to him. But when everything's kind of going good, we can draw back if not careful. And James is just trying to remind us, look, even when things are going good, don't draw back from God. But give, make it an opportunity where you can praise him and bless him. Over 550 times in Scripture, the word praise is used. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And forget none of his benefits. I think he might have been going through a good time at that particular season of his life. But I'm not going to forget that it was God who forgives all my sins. It's God who heals all my diseases. It's God who crowns me with love and compassion. It's God who renews my, my strength like the youth. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I praise and bless and glorify and honor his name. That this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice in him and be glad that my focus, whether it be trouble or blessing, whether it be challenges and difficulties or triumph and celebration, I'm either going to pray or I'm going to bless. When we praise, it ushers in God's presence and his peace. And when we bless, it just reminds us of his grace. And they're both, both very important. And then James goes on. So, it, so in the middle is this happy time. But then he says, is any of you sick? And that word doesn't mean like post-nasal drip. It doesn't mean like a little, a little, a little uh, allergy. I mean, it's sick. There's something going on in your body. It's bad. He should call on the elders of the church. It, it's obvious concerning Scripture, according to Scripture, that there is this, this gift of, 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 of healing that is connected to the office of elder. So call on the leaders of the church, those that God, God and the church is appointed to, to kind of oversee spiritually and, and to, and to uh, represent God to and anoint him with oil. So call on the leaders and anoint them with oil. And don't let that freak you out. Some people saw that on TV where they're slapping people with oil and they're handling snakes and and all it means is oil just rep, it's just a representation of the Holy Spirit. And so when you get water baptized, there's nothing really significant about the water. It just symbolizes or represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. When you take communion, there's nothing really significant about the juice and the wafer, but it symbolizes the death, the body, the blood of Jesus. When you're anointed with oil, there's nothing special about the oil. It just it's a tangible expression. It gives kind of teeth. It kind of gives a word picture of what's trying to happen. It puts, a, it puts a flesh. I don't know. The word's not flesh. It puts some tangible expression on what we're trying to do or accomplish. So anoint them with oil, according to the word of God. And the prayer offered in faith. And that's a big, that, that's a big deal, that word faith. Because everything we receive from God is by and through and because of faith. We're saved by faith. We're healed by faith. We're redeemed by faith. We're, we're everything is by faith. And, and I, I don't want us to get where we have faith in faith. Because you, you don't want faith. Well, I've heard some people, I'll just believe it long enough and God will have to do it. And so it becomes to a point where, well, where we, have, we have faith in how much we believe. And it becomes to be all about us. And I want to say it's not faith in us. It's not, it's not faith in our ability. It's faith in God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. That he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. That he is Jehovah Shalom, the God who gives peace. 
that he is above all and over all and in all, that, that God is the one that does the healing. It's not me. It's not my mental ability to believe for something. It's faith in, in the power of Almighty God. Romans 4.21, be fully persuaded that God has power to do what he promised. God, if you took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000, you can provide for me. God, if you touch blind eyes and touch mute ear, uh, deaf ears, you can do it for me. God, if you walked on the water, if you spoke to the winds and the waves, you can do it for me. I believe in the power. I am trusting you, God. I have faith in your ability and in your power. And James says, call on the elders, pray in faith, anoint in oil, and here's the promise, and it'll make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. And I think it warrants a legitimate question. Then why isn't everybody healed? Why, why, why when we do that and go by that prescription and, and subscribe to that, why, why doesn't everybody get healed? And let me give you a real deep answer. I don't know. I don't know why everybody doesn't get healed. And I'm sure I'll learn a little bit more tomorrow when all y'all send me your emails and tell me all about why you think. But I don't know. And you know what? I'm all right with that. When I, when I get to a place where I fully understand God and I'm on God's same, I'm, I, he's not God any longer. That's what faith is all about. It's about trusting in us. This is what I do know, that God always does the right thing. I don't know why. He, let me explain it this way. When I was in college just a few years ago, I mean, it's just been it's just, just like last. This is a tough crowd, man. It's tough. I just keep pressing in. And so, so I was in college, and, and there was a group of guys, and I don't want you to think I was some, some spiritual giant because I wasn't and I'm not. But we got together every morning at 6 a.m., and we prayed. And some days it was, it, was, it was just an extension of our bed. We were just laying on a desk. And other days it was powerful, and it was, it was really life-changing. And, and we had one of those days where it was life-changing. And the, and the night before, one of the guys in the group had rolled his ankle, and it had swollen up like a, a cantaloupe. And obviously, he wasn't there. He was in bed, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. And we come out of this prayer meeting just full of faith and full of, full of confidence in God. And so one of the guys goes, hey, why don't we go pray for Mark? I believe God wants to heal him. I believe God wants to, to just reveal his power on this campus today. And I just, I'm just sure, I'm more than confident that Mark's going to jump up from that bed and begin running around the room as God heals him and touches him. And so we thought it was a great idea. And so we go to the room, and, and now we're, we're Pentecostal, so we took not just a little bit of oil, but we took a lot of oil. And this was, you know, this was a few years back, and, and so you had to grab hold of what hurt. You just couldn't pray. I mean, you had to pray, and you had to, you had to get involved in the, in the situation. And, and so we put a little oil on it, nothing happened, so we just, like, dumped the whole bottle all over his bed, all over his leg. And we grabbed hold of that ankle and just began to shake it. Demon, come out in Jesus' name. It's a sprained ankle, but we thought everything was a demon. Come out, Jesus' name. And, and we, we just yelled louder and louder. And, and finally, Mark starts crying. I'm like, praise God, something, something's happening. And he screamed, get your hands off my ankle. You're killing me, killing me. And I looked down, and his ankle wasn't the size of a cantaloupe anymore. It was the size of a watermelon. And it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. 
because I'm 18, 19 years old, and I'm, 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 I'm still really wrestling with my faith, and I'm upset with God. God, how could you let this happen? You told me to pray in faith. You said to anoint with oil. And I mean, I'm thinking, God, are you worth serving? And you know what? I think God's okay with that when we do it out of a heart of, of, of what's going on, God? And I felt like God spoke to my heart that day. And though it was a long time ago, I can still hear it echoing today. And all I remember him saying is, I'm God and you're not. You just pray and believe me for the results. You trust me. And I don't know, I don't know why everybody doesn't get healed. But I know if you believe the word of God, God is a healing God. God still heals today. Okay, well, show it to me in God's word. I will. Uh, Here's the first thing. God's by his own pronouncement. Write that down, will you? By God's own pronouncement. This is Exodus 15, 26. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I, here, you want to know about me? Let me declare you to your, let me, let me declare who I am to you. This is where we get the word Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals. That's what I do. That's what I desire. That's in my power. That's in my ability. That's in my ministry. God declares with his mouth, I am a healing God. And how many know God watches over his words to perform it? He's not a liar. He, he tells, says the truth. And if he declares he's a healer, then he's a healer. It's also recognized in Jesus' earthly ministry. And so Hebrews says that Christ is the exact representation of God. So anything God is like, Jesus is God in the flesh. So whatever Jesus did, that's God's will. That's God's heart. Well, what did Jesus do? Here's what it says in Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogue, sharing, preaching the good news of the kingdom. I don't know what picture comes in your mind when you, when you hear Jesus, see Jesus, picture Jesus preaching, but it wasn't you're going to hell. It wasn't you sinner, you're bad. No, he preached the good news. He preached that life's better with Jesus. He preached, he didn't try to condemn, he tried to live. He didn't try to discourage. He offered hope. He was preaching the good news, and that's what the gospel is. It's good news. It's, it's life for the dying. It's health for the sick. It's, it's forgiveness for the sinner. It's wholeness for the broken. It's encouragement for the discouraged. The good. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God. And here, this is what else he did. He shared, taught, he preached, and he healed every disease and sickness amongst the people. That's what he did. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. He's no different. What he did then, he does now. He still heals. Not only was, did God proclaim it with his mouth, and we see it in the ministry of Jesus, but also Christ's sacrificial death. When Jesus went to the cross, he died not only for our sins, but he died for our sickness. It's called the atonement. It's, it's described in Isaiah chapter 53. He was pierced for our transgressions, the nails, the, and this was prophesied a, a thousand years before Jesus went to the cross. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That, that's, what, that's, that's what Christ did on the cross when he stretched out his arms. He, he made way for us to be reconciled to God relationally and healed physically. It's part of the atonement. It's what a part of what he died for. And then lastly and finally, 
the ongoing ministry of the church. So, so Jesus is, is getting ready to leave. He's instructing his disciples. He's sending out the 12, and he gathers them together, and he says, look, hey, together we're going to change the world. Together we're, we're going to make a difference. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to come together, and I'm going to give you power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay, now go in the same power that I have. Go in the same anointing that I have. Go do what I do. Teach, preach, and heal in Jesus' name. And they came back amazed at what God was doing in their midst. He sent out the 70 and did the same thing. When, when he got to the, to the uh, uh, when Mark 16, it says, These signs will accompany those who believe. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. And that happened in, in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chronica, uh, it, it's a story of the early church. And all throughout that, those 29, 28 chapters, there's healings. It starts in Acts chapter 3 with the lame man. Philip, Acts chapter 8. I mean, all throughout the book, there's this healing after healing of God's miraculous power and God's working. God, God still heals. Well, well that, was just, that, was just for the, that was just for the early days. That was just when Jesus walked on the earth. That was just, that was just for the early church. He doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't heal anymore. Can I just tell you this? If God has had one miracle since the early church, then he still heals. If God has done one thing since he did it in the early church, he is not closed shop. I was born with aspiratory pneumonia. I took a breath before I came out of my mom's lungs. I was drowning in her fluids. I mean, the doctors didn't give me a whole lot of a hope to, be, to live any kind of normalcy life. There was going to be handicaps, challenges, difficulties, and that was only if I lived. And I thank God for praying parents and believers in the Lord. And, and at, Fort, Fort, at McDonald Army Hospital, my dad went and, and started crying out before me on behalf, on, on behalf of the Lord for my sake, calling his parents, calling his, uh, his, his uh, sister and his brothers, and calling the people in his church. And, and they began to pray for me and, 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 and intercede for me and believe God for me. And miraculously and unexplainable, the fluid began to seep off my lungs. My body began to align with, with health, and, 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 and because of, you can say, well, it was chance, it was coincidence, by the power of Almighty God, I stand before you as a testimony of the ability that God has to heal a body and touch a life for the glory of God. And if God has done one miracle since the early church, he still does miracles today. When I was 10 years old, we were on our way home from a shopping trip. We were living in Fort Hood, Texas. We were coming home from Waco, and, and back then, back then, they didn't, you, didn't have, you didn't have to wear a seatbelt. I don't even know if cars had seatbelts, and you didn't have to sit in a, a car seat, man. You could sit in the trunk. You could sit on top of the trunk. It didn't matter. They didn't have airbags. Airbags, what? I mean, you, you didn't have any of that stuff, and we're coming home in a 1978 LeSabre Buick, and we're, we're coming up over the top of a hill. My dad's driving. I'm asleep, head on his shoulder, asleep on the armrest. No seatbelt. My brother's asleep in the back. He's laying in the back seat. My mom is, is sitting in the passenger seat. We come up over the crest of a hill, and a car had decided to just park. The, the, the driver got out. The car was parked in a lane on a highway right at the top of the hill. There was no way to avoid it. There was no way to get around it. All I remember is seeing a big blob of purple 
and waking up on the side of the road with our car in flames, engulfed in flames. And uh, terrible, terrible, terrible. And, you know, and not only, listen, not only does God heal, but God protects. There's no way that I would even be alive. I mean, just science says that hitting something that hard, I should have been shot out of, like a slingshot off of that car seat, out through the window, into the front. I mean, there's no, the only thing I had was some bruised ribs. I think the angels caught me a little bit too hard. I'm a little upset at them that they weren't just a little bit softer. You know, the Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp around those who fear him. I think the angels of the Lord were encamped around our vehicle and around our lives even on that day. But here, here's the miracle I wanted to share with you. My brother broke his femur bone, which was right below the hip. He was in growth mode. He was a young teenager, adolescent. And the doctor, here, here's what the doctor said. I'm not sure if that bone, that leg will continue to grow. But if it does, I'll guarantee you, you're not going to play catcher any longer. Ronnie was a great catcher, great baseball player, loved the position. It was very good at it. I guarantee you're not going to catch. You better change positions. You better might even think about changing sports. That leg's not going to be half of what it used to be. That was, the, the, that was again, the, the, uh, it, that was the, what the words of the doctor. And we didn't believe the words of the doctor. We believed the words of God. And we began to pray and seek God. And mom and dad going after God. Family members praying. That was in the fall. In the spring of that next year, my brother Ronnie was an all-star catcher on the baseball team. Totally healed. Totally. Look, if God, if God has done anything since the early church, he still does it today. There, there's, this, there's this little girl. Uh, it's, it's, it's documented in a book and, a, and, and also a movie. And I think her name is Abigail. I'm, I'm so far off my notes, I, I can't find it. It's called Miracles, uh, Miracles in Heaven or Miracles from Heaven. Her Annabelle is her name. And I don't know if you know the story, but she was diagnosed with incurable, inoperable, terminal digestive issues and, and in and out of the hospital in constant pain. Doctors said, you just got to deal with the pain and wait to die, pretty much was their words. Sent back home for a few days to enjoy. They lived on a farm. She was out climbing a tree, 30 foot up in a tree, and the branch broke, and the tree had died, and the inside was hollow, un unknowing to them. She fell 30 feet head first into the bottom of this tree. Uh, it took hours for the rescue workers to finally get her out. When they finally did pull her out, there was no head trauma. There was no concussion. There was no scratch. The angels of the Lord encamped around her. I think they caught her and just laid her down. She came out. They began to do internal uh, tests and find out. This was, this was in 2011, so what is that, five, six years ago? They, they began to look inside of her, and what they found out was all the digestive issues were gone. All the stuff, all, all the, the whatever was back in alignment, was made perfect six years ago. She's a testimony to the power and the grace of God's, of God's ability to heal and touch and set free. He, he is a healing God. If you believe the word of God, you've got to believe that he heals. So what can I do? And I don't want to put a, listen, this is what I don't want to do. There's no formula. There, there's, there's no prescription. There are some, I think there's some principles in scripture that we ought to adhere to. And, and anoint with oil and all that is one of them. But here, let me, let me just read this verse and then talk to you about it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And I don't think God is saying, hey, I'm some Santa Claus, just I'm making a list, checking it twice, whatever you want, let me know. I'm not some genie in a bottle, but I think what he's saying is, hey, if you'll connect with me relationally, you know, I'm a father of five kids, and, and we're connected, and, and I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do for those kids. I mean, I'll fight for them, I'll breathe for them, I'll, 
I mean, I'll give, I'll give my, I'll do whatever to see those kids. I think Jesus, that's what he's saying. Hey, man, if we're connected relationally, I'll go to hell and back to watch over you. I'll do whatever it takes to, to, to spur you on and to help you become into the image of God. I think what Jesus said, hey, man, if you'll just remain in me and you'll keep my word in my, your heart, I'll do whatever it takes to keep us connected. And I, you, you just ask, man, you seek me and you'll find me. You, you ask, seek, and knock, and I'll, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And so with that verse, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm saying. Make sure you're right with God. Again, not a formula. I would do this if I was sick or not. The psalmist prayed every day, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. But sometimes, and again, you got to hear me. Don't misquote me or take me out of context. Some people say, well, if you're sick, then you got sin in your life. No, in John chapter 9, there was a man born blind, and Jesus, the disciples of Jesus said, who sinned? Because that was their understanding. Who sinned, this man or his mom and dad? And the Jesus said, nobody sinned. This was done to prove the power and the glory of God. But there are some things in your life that not dealt with can be a block or a hindrance to God healing and touching your body. And I'll just tell you one is unforgiveness. It, it's a, you don't want to live or walk in unforgiveness. You, you, want, you want a clear heart before God. Unforgiveness is a hindrance to you receiving from the Lord. That's why Jesus said, love me with all my heart, with all your heart, and love others as yourself. That's why there's parable after parable. There's scripture after scripture about not allowing your heart to become bitter or become hard towards somebody else or to walk in a spirit of unforgiveness. You, you, you have got to forgive, not for the sake of the offender, the one who offended you, but for your sake so that you can receive all that you, you, you want from God. I would make sure my heart and my life was right with God and with others. I would saturate my life with God's word. Again, I mean, I, I can't tell you there's power in the word of God. It, 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 it's, it's like a two-edged sword, uh, Paul said. It's sharp and quick and powerful. Joe Osteen's mom was diagnosed with cancer in the, in the early 80s, and, and they were people of faith that believed God. And, and the doctor said, hey, man, it's terminal. You don't have months to live. You don't have years to live. You have days to live. Go home and enjoy your family. Well, they refused to believe the, the report of, of that doctor. They declared they served a supernatural God, that he was not limited to the law of nature, that he can do what human beings cannot do, and, and they knew that he could make a way where there seemed to be no way, and so they believed God for healing. And she began to, to speak God's word over her situation, regardless of how she felt, regardless of what she thought. Regardless of the report she got back, she began to walk around her house and just declare, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of the Lord. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the oppressed say I am free. Let the sick say I am healed. And as she began to mix her words with God's word, something began to change. And that's what happens. It, it all, God's word changes things. It might change your attitude, it might change your heart, it might change your, and it might change your body. In this case, it began to change her physically. Her appetite came back, her strength came back, her will to live came back. And 30 years later, she's a testimony of God's ability to heal and to deliver and set free. Use the word of God as a weapon to defeat Whatever the instance or the situation is in your life. It, here's the third thing. Expect a miracle. What do I mean by that? It's what I mean. According to your faith, be it done to you. 
You often get what you expect. So I'm saying raise your level of expectation. But let me also say this. You cannot do it on your own. You can't will it. Well, I just expect more. I just expect more. I'm just going to expect more. I'm just going to expect more. No, it doesn't work like that. Faith is a gift from God. He's the one that departs it in your heart. The on- Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The only way you can expect more is to let the Word of God saturate your life. The only way you can expect more is to get in His presence. And when you begin to see the fullness of His grace and, and, and you just get a fresh revelation of who He is, faith, the natural byproduct is that faith begins to rise up in your heart and in your spirit so you can expect God for more. You get anything out of this? This is... I'm enjoying it. If according to your faith, be it done unto you. Here's another thing. Take care of yourselves. It's talking about proper health, and we don't need to go into that long, but, but here's what the Bible says. Your body is a temple. The Holy Spirit is in you whom you've received from God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's talking about, I think it's proper eating and proper exercise, proper rest. You got to do those things is, it's your desiring God to touch you and help you. We talked about calling on the elders of the church, but here's the last thing. Trust God. Trust God. Lowell Qualls, pastor of Trinity Assembly of God for several years, was right up the road. Now it's another church, but his wife, Vicki, and I'm going to make a long story short, but Vicki in 2000 got diagnosed with ovarian cancer, terminal ovarian cancer inoperable ovarian cancer because by the time they got to it, the, the, the cancer had wrapped itself around the aorta down in the, in the abdomen area. And so inoperable, sent home, low, I don't know how long she has to live, the doctor said, but that bucket list item that you want to do, that, that trip you want to go on, you better plan it sooner than later. And so they, they planned their dream vacation. They were going to go to Hawaii. Over the next few weeks, that tumor grew to the size of an NFL football. She looked, Vicky looked like she was eight months pregnant. The church continued to believe and to pray and, and to seek God concerning it. They were still holding out for a miracle, but they were planning, for, obviously, for a funeral. And uh, she went back to the doctor just a few weeks before they were to take that last trip. And they began to look around, and, and, and the doctor came out of the, the observatory room looking at her and said, No, I think... I think we might have a miracle. It appears that the cancer has turned on itself and it disconnected itself from the aorta. And I think if we go in, we, I think we can get it. I, I, think, I think this is what we've been praying for. And so sure enough, they cut her open and they went in. And that cancer had disattached itself and created a bubble all around it. And so it was, it was connected, but it was, but it was outside of any living organ. And it had turned on itself. And so cancer, what cancer does, it eats the good cells. In this case, the cancer began to eat the cancer. And when they began to study it and look at it, 90% of the cancer was dead, and the other 10% was dying. They took it out, size of a football, sewed her back up, gave her a clean bill of health. You're healed. Henrico's Doctor's Hospital, it's a medical miracle. No explanation. We cannot, we cannot, we have no idea how this happened. Only that there has to be a God. I don't even know if they said that. It's just a miracle. It's a miracle. She went on the next, next little bit sharing her story. They went to Hawaii not as a last trip, but as a celebration of God's grace. Her brother got saved through her testimony. The church went to another level of faith and expectation. Two years later to the date, cancer reentered her body and she died. 
I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. And here, I think here's, here's what we've got to know. John Hirschman preached her funeral. He's the pastor of Western Assembly of God. His opening words were, has anyone seen Lazarus yet? Or has anyone seen Lazarus lately? Lazarus was a guy that Jesus healed being dead for three days. And here's the point. Lazarus' life was extended, but it, but it wasn't permanent. I think sometimes we get so focused to the here and now that, that, that we forget about the eternal, that we forget about the forever. Again, I said at the beginning, I don't understand God, and when I get to understand him, he's not God anymore. He's on the level that I am. But I know he does all things good, and I, and I, and I do know that you can hold to this promise right here. Here's one you want to cling to. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. It might happen now, or it might happen in heaven. But if you're a follower of Christ, you win. You're going to get healed one way or the other. You know, I thought about Barbara uh, Hayes this morning as I was preaching this. Same type of, she had cancer, confessed God's word, believed in her heart, great attitude. One of the last things she did as an as a earth person was to come to church. Bruce, get me ready. I'm going to the house of God. She died that night. I don't know. I don't understand. But I do know when she took that last breath, she was in the presence of Almighty God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And she took confidence in this, that God had brought her safely to his heavenly kingdom. To God be the glory forever and ever. And everybody said a great big amen. 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 God is a healing God. Here's what. Let me wrap it up. The musicians are getting ready to come back. This whole book of James, I think James is saying, hey guys, you scattered Christians, you guys that are trying to live for the Lord, life is better with Jesus. Therefore, when you go through temptation, do it this way. And when you're going through trials, do it this way. And when you're working out your relationships, do it this way. Because it's just better with Jesus. But the last verse of James, the very last two verses, and the last are pretty important. He says, my brothers... So he goes from this healing, pray, believe, you're in trouble, you're happy, you're sick, call on the elders. But my brothers, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You know what I think James is saying? I, I'm, God's not only concerned about your healing, he's concerned about your soul. And maybe even more concerned about your soul. What shall it profit a man if I gain the whole world but lose my soul? Here, here's, how, here's how Jesus said it. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. Don't be afraid of cancer and sickness and disease and arthritis and, and whatever you, you, your issue might be. Don't be afraid of that. It can't kill the soul. And this body is just temporary anyway. Life is but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. Don't fear death. I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And part of having a sound mind is realizing that this is not my home, that this isn't forever, that this body is mortal, that it is going to die and decay. But one day God's going to take the mortal and make me immortal, that he's going to take the perishable and make it imperishable, that I'm going to get a new body in a new earth, and a new heaven with a great God. And I'm going to live forever and ever and ever in His presence, experiencing His glory.
and his goodness. And, and, and he says, don't be afraid of what can kill your body, but worry about what can kill the soul. Here, here's what he said. Last verse, I promise. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Remember he sent those, those 72 guys out and said, go, go cast out demons, go heal the sick. And they come back all pumped up. Jesus, you're never going to believe what we did. You're never going to believe the bodies that we saw get healed. We saw arms lengthen and eyes open and, and bodies come alive. It was amazing. Nothing will harm you, he says. However, listen, hey, 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 take a deep breath. Don't rejoice that spirits submit to you. That's important, but that's just what we do while we're on earth. But rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Why? Because eternity is what really matters. And so here, as we conclude this series on James, here's the final answer, final question. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you, is your related, well, I'm, I'm a good person. Our goodness is this filthy rags. It has nothing to do with your goodness. It has everything to do with you accepted Jesus. Have you asked him to wash you and cleanse you? Have you, allowed, have you allowed his death on the cross to be sufficient payment for your sin? Maybe you're here today and, and somebody invited you and you don't even know how you got here and you're wondering how you're going to get out. And, and you're thinking, man, I don't even understand all this. This is way over my head. But your heart's pounding, your stomach's turning, and you say, what is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's the Holy Spirit trying to convince you that God loves you and Jesus died for you. He has a plan and a purpose for you, and you need Jesus today, not, not just so you can go to heaven, not because you're going to die one day. You need Jesus because you've got to live today. You need him. And I just encourage you and implore you, if you've not given your heart to the Lord, why not today? Why not now? Why not surrender to his way? You've tried to do it on your own. It's not working. Why not surrender to his way today? Why don't you bow your head and your heart with me?